Welcome to Firefox News Online, America's number one internet radio and internet video broadcast. The rules are very simple. No personal attacks, threats, or hate speech will be tolerated at any time. If you commit to these acts, you will be removed from the chat room. And if we're using a phone line, the same rules apply. Also, bear in mind that this is a roundtable discussion format. So please, no cross-talking during the broadcast. And finally, the views and opinions that will be expressed in this broadcast are that of the host and those who call in and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of anyone else or this broadcasting service. The use of media materials is protected by the Fair Use Clause of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, which allows for the rebroadcast of copyrighted materials for the purposes of commentary, criticism, and education. Firefox News Online Productions and its news division adhere to the criteria of the Fair Use Clause 100% across the board. And now, on with tonight's broadcast. of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, America, it is time for Talking Points. The views and opinions expressed in Talking Points are that of the host and the host alone, and do not reflect the views and opinions of anyone else for this broadcasting service. Good evening, and welcome to Firefox News Online. Ah, yes, it's another lovely day in the neighborhood. Or, in my case, (laughs) just another day. (laughs) All right. Hey, America, we are here. We are live, large, and in charge, as always. We are better than anybody around. You can bank on that because we've been around longer than most people. Uh, In fact, I've been around longer than than most dirt has. (laughs) That ain't saying much, though, for you, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, anyway, (laughs) so let's get on with what we call talking points. Ah, 
it's something about the mainstream media that speaks volumes. Literally speaks volumes. One of the things that uh, comes to mind is just how very lousy, and I do mean very lousy, the mainstream media truly is when it comes to the treatment of this of our current president, uh, Donald Trump. Now, you think that people in the mainstream media would not be so quick to judge Donald Trump, but they are. They get their marching orders pretty much from the Democrats. And uh, I don't know, it just seems very strange that, the, you know, that all of a sudden a former CBS News exec would quite literally come out and say something we already knew. I mean, it's not like it's not common knowledge. But the mainstream media has decided in and of itself to say all manner of things against the president. We knew that. We've seen it day in, day out, ad infinitum. So, the way I look at it is this. What's this guy going to tell me that I don't already know? We already know that there's a lot of bias going on. Seriously. CNN, MSNBC, as far as the cable news side. Then you've got, oh, let me see. You've got the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Huffington Post, uh, MSN. Good grief, I could rattle off a whole shitload, including uh, on the local side for me, the New York Post, uh, the New York Daily News. The New York Post is probably the only Decent paper out of New York, here in New York City, out of, oh God, here we go again, out of New York City. It does raise a few questions. It really does. Is this, is the bias, is the bias that bad. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm checking the uh, connection. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm checking. Okay. I don't know why, but something told me to check the connection. So, think about it for a moment. You have a guy like Van Gordon Sauter, who's a former CBS News president, talking about the liberal-leaning media.
talking about the liberal media. Why would he? Why would he do this? Why would he say something about the liberal-leaning media passing its tipping point? We already knew that the media, the liberal-based media, had already passed the tipping point when they went full bore gotcha mode against President Trump. We knew that they had passed a tipping point when it got to the point where you, no, no matter what they talked about, it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. Trump did this. Trump did that. Trump, 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 Trump. Anti-Trump rhetoric and bullshit. And what they couldn't dig up, if they, considering the fact that what they dug up half the time was dumb shit, that they, you know, they twisted. They would twist every single thing he did. Prime example, and the most recent example of that, would be the uh, coronavirus response. They continue to accuse him of not acting fast enough, and yet he did everything he could. <sighs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I am taking myself off the video. I mean, I'm putting the intermission screen up because I'm constantly yawning, and I'm not going to let you get exposed to that. It's been a long day. It really has. But getting back into my talking points, the thing is, if Van Gordon Sauter, and I'm going to bring this out in just a moment, the um, simple fact is, Why, why talk about it now? Why even mention it? it? It's already known. But I'll give this guy, Van Gordon Sauter, the benefit of the doubt. The question is, how much of what he's saying do we already know? And how much of what he's already said well, in, that we don't know is something we need to know. And it still begs the big question, why bring it up now? Now, I think, is the time to bring it up. Bring it up. So I think Van Gordon Van Gordon Sauter uh, may just have some information. Then again, he may not. All right. So here's the deal.
there is no guarantees that he that what he talked about is even worth looking at, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's all there is to it. All right. Not much of a talking points, but it's a start. Hashtag FFNOP, hashtag FFNOP. Trend tonight's broadcast globally on social media right now. And with that having been said, it is now time, as always, for the rest of the story. Hmm. And we're just getting off the ground, and Seattle, Washington, if that's where you're from, go ahead. Hey, I just wanted to say, come. Yeah, you're, I recognize the voice. Go away. Sorry, we're not going through that. Listen, bottom-feeding, basement-dwelling dweebs. If you're already starting your shit this early in the, in the, in the show, it, gets to a show, it, it just goes to show that you haven't, A, sucked your mom's tits enough this, this evening, and B, you need to pass the bong around a little more because you're not really all ready yet. Your brains haven't been baked it up yet. Dear God in heaven. What do you think, I'm going to not be prepared for stupid shit tonight? (laughs) Give me a break. When it comes right down to it, you clods are about as much fun as a toothache. Yep. So anyway, the number to call, 347-945-5747. So, let us see what we can see when we see it. Yavol. And I opened up the wrong Borowskers. Of course, I'm going to put a clip in play here as soon as I get the Browser open. There we go. Nice thing about having about utilizing browser sync synchronization is Oh, you've gotta be kidding me tonight. There we go. All right.
Come on. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. As always, there's got to be something internet-based. Just slow down the works. And of course, it's going to slow me down. Wow. I guess I'm going to have to open this one up on a different browser. Just another one of those wonderful nights where the where it's not the computer, it's the stupid internet. Anybody else having these issues? I'm sure you are. 347-945-5747. Bear with me, folks. We're going to get this going here, you know. I swear, you're going to hear this clip. If and when, I don't know what it is. The internet connection tonight is not as good as it should be. Come on, quit slapping me down to the beginning. I hate when this happens. Go to load a page, and it decides it's going to go back to the top of the page when you're just a tiny bit, well, you know what I mean. Ooh, scoozes. Here we go, I hope. Robin's feeling the fatigue. Uh, I hate advertisements on the Internet. If I want to watch advertisements, I'll turn on the TV. Come on, come on. Don't you know Come on, hurry up. A former CBS News president calling out the media in a Wall Street Journal op-ed, Van Gordon Souter, saying more news organizations are reporting stories with a liberal bias in an article titled The Liberal-Leaning Media has passed its tipping point. A return to balance would be commercially unviable. The best solution may be an honest embrace of bias. Joining us now is Howie Kurtz, Fox News media analyst and a host of Media Buzz. Howie, good morning to you. What did you think of this piece? It's a very powerful piece because it comes from a guy who was a major television insider uh, and is married to a former Democratic politician, Kathleen Brown. Here he is indicting the three broadcast networks and major newspapers as being part of the resistance to President Trump. Here he is saying that CNN and MSNBC are unrelentingly liberal and loathe President Trump. And finally, he puts this in the context of a three-decade swing to the left 
uh, by the major media. I don't think anybody can deny that, but it's been on steroids since uh, Donald Trump moved into the White House and off the charts, I would say, during this pandemic. And to your point, Howie, this is something that you have been talking about, writing about, hosting your show around um, quite frequently, having confidence in our media and how things have changed so quickly in recent years. Yeah, I wrote a book on it as well. And my question is, you know, how can uh, the major chunk of the country, uh, let's say it's 40 percent, whatever, that strongly supports President Trump, how can they have any confidence at all in a media establishment that seems so blatantly biased to one side? Now, it's not everybody. There are many good journalists out there. And there's another side to this that Souter doesn't get into, which is the media's watchdog role and President Trump's very personal attacks on journalists and journalism. But the bottom line here is this has become a business model uh, for many of these media outlets because they're mostly appealing uh, to people who agree with them. And some people might say uh, the Fox News opinion side does that as well. Uh, but here from, from the column in the journal, pulling back from anti-Trump activism could prove commercially harmful. So in other words, it rings the cash register. Very interesting. Here's another excerpt from, from the piece. The media seems uninterested in these issues of bias, to your point, Howie. But wouldn't a softening of its editorial orientation bring new readers or viewers? Probably not. The growth of new customers would be more than offset by the defection of outraged members of the current audience. The news media seems very comfortable with its product an ability to sell it. What does that tell us, or what do you take away from that, Howie, as far as any potential change? Yeah, I've kind of given up on any potential change for a while. I thought there might be a, a ceasefire in this culture war. I mean, look, it means that a lot of this is being driven uh, by the profit motive. And look, they are businesses that have to uh, earn money to, to stay in business. But at the same time, journalism is supposed to be about something higher, a higher calling, being fair things you don't hear about much anymore. And the, the words that really stung for me from this outer column, uh, media like what they're doing. They admire it. They celebrate it. Uh, and isn't it interesting that it's people who used to be in the media, Van Gordon Sauter, Jill Abramson, former editor of the New York Times, who wrote a book saying her old paper uh, was reflexively anti-Trump. In other words, I don't see a lot of soul searching, unfortunately, from people in the business now, but some people who that leave the business take a look at where we've come and they say, this is not the profession I grew up in. With the 30 or so seconds that we have left, I know that uh, what stuck out to you was the question that he poses in this piece, ultimately, what will journalists do if Trump wins re-election? Final thoughts. Well, it mean, yeah, it means that they will have to account somehow for the fact that uh, this person who they've said is an out-of-control, rogue, completely unqualified, unfair-for-office uh, leader uh, was re-elected by a majority of the country or a majority of the Electoral College. And I think things will get rougher on both sides because there'll be very little incentive on either the president's part or the part of journalists to, let's just say, tone it down a little bit. I mean, I'm all for aggressive coverage of presidents. Let's make that clear. Uh, but I don't think anybody can look at what we have right now uh, and say that it's entirely fair to this president. Very interesting analysis of all of that. Thanks for joining us, Howie. Great to see you. Great. Thank you. So Van Sauter seems to feel that the media has basically created a new norm in the mainstream media. But what I think Van Sauter, Gordon Van Sauter fails to uh, recognize 
what Van Gordon Sauter fails to recognize, I got the name a little wrong there, is we, we've all seen this, this tipping point. Okay? We've seen it and seen it and seen it and seen it. And it's, it's nothing really new, but when a former executive of CBS News says something like this, everybody seems to pay attention almost immediately, right? Well, guess what? We already knew this there, Van Gordon. Sorry. You're a little late to the party there, bub. Just woke up, motherfucker. Well, listen here, motherfucker. I am, I, I, I don't care if you just woke up, motherfucker. As long as you're here, motherfucker. Have I said motherfucker enough, motherfucker? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm picking on one of my listeners in the chat room, folks. I'm not going to say who. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's having fun, so I'm going to have fun right back. I figure what the hell, you know? So what's going on? Uh, <laughs> another one of my listeners is like, all this fucking going on. Uh, yeah, and there ain't no pleasure in it either. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Could it get any, can it get any wackier? Of course it can. And again, any nuttier? Why not? But just remember, just because it gets wacky, just because it gets silly, just because it gets a little nutty, doesn't mean that we don't get down to, to business. Besides, there's a time for serious and a time for fun. I mix them both together, and that's the, what I do before we're done. <laughs> anyway, so putting that out there, And uh, I'll read some of what came out of this in just a second. I'm uh, open up the um, wow. Try and get my uh, tongue to stop blocking my eye teeth here, folks. It sometimes works. All right, Gunslinger. How you doing, bud? Oh, here and there. Oh, here and there. Let me turn my speakers down a little bit. There. So aside from all else, are we having fun yet? I don't know. What's the definition of fun? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good question. In this day and age, they keep changing. You know, the more people seem to want to change the rules, the more you have to try and figure out what is fun anymore. Uh, fun. Fun. You know? 
I have no clue. I do not have the clue. It's like, uh, well, let me see, uh, fun, fun. Hey, what we're doing right now could be classified as fun, you know. Not, not going, I'm not trying, I'm not saying that it, that it always is. But I'm not saying it always, that it's not, that, it's, that it always is not. I'm not saying that it could be or could not be. But that is a good question. And I know I ain't no freaking Shakespeare, so don't get any bright ideas, people. So, let's see here. Van Souter. Van Gordon Souter. This is what he said in his uh, little op-ed piece. About 35 years ago, this is Van, Van Gordon Souter writing this. About 35 years ago, I was sitting at lunch next to Gene Kirkpatrick, a one-time Democrat who became a foreign policy advisor to President Reagan and later U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. She was lamenting what she called the liberal-leaning media. As the president of CBS News, I assured her it was only a liberal tilt and could be corrected. You don't understand, she scolded. It's too late. Kirkpatrick was prophetic. The highly influential daily newspapers in New York, Washington, Los Angeles, and Boston are now decidedly liberal. Two of the three leading cable news sources are unrelentingly liberal in their fear and loathing of President Trump. News organizations that claim to be neutral have long been creeping leftward, and their loathing of Trump has accelerated the pace. The news media is catching up with the liberalism of the professionate, professionate, let me try that again, oh boy. Professorate, the entertainment industry, upscale magazines, and the literary world. <clears throat> recent, uh, recent arrivals are the late-night TV hosts who have broken the boundaries of what was considered acceptable political humor for networks. Yeah, yeah, they're not funny, we know. Too many journalists. Objectivity, balance, and fairness, once the gold standard of reporting, are not mandatory in a divided political era, political era and in a country they believe to be severely flawed. That assumption folds neatly into their assessment of the president. To the journalists, including more than a few Republicans, he is a blatant vulgarian, an incessant provocateur, and a dangerous leader who should be ousted next January, if not sooner. Much of journalism has become the clarion voice of the resistance dedicated to ousting the president, even though he was legally elected, and, according to the polls, 
enjoys the support of about 44% of likely 2020 voters. This poses significant problems not only for Trump, but for the media's own standing. If Trump prevails in November, what's the next act, if any, for journalists and the resistance? They will likely find Trump more dangerous and offensive in a second term than in the first. More important, how will a large segment of the public ever put stock in journalism it considers hostile? To the country's best interests. Unfortunately, dominant media organizations have bonded with another large segment of the public, one that embraces its new approach. Pulling back from anti-Trump activism could prove commercially harmful. On the other hand, how would the media respond to a Joe Biden victory? beyond exhilaration. Will Biden be subjected to the rigor and skepticism imposed on Trump? Will he get a pass because he is a liberal and not Trump? The media's protective coverage of the sexual assault allegation against Biden is perhaps a clear and concerning preview to how his presidency would be covered. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions. It raises a lot of questions, I'm afraid. So, Gunslinger, what do you think of this? I mean, Van Gordon Sauter points out kind of the obvious in a way, you know? But he also... He saw something 35 years ago that was probably something I didn't even pay attention to. In fact, I know I didn't pay attention to it because I wasn't, 35 years ago, I was, let's see, an an active drinker and cared less about what was going on in the news than what was going on in the bar rooms, you know? Well, you know, you got you to realize, you know, that these other media outlets like that, they're, I would say, well, just like just like you said, that article says there, most of them, well, I'd say that 99% are far-out left liberals, okay? I mean, they they don't report the news. They report the way they want to think that you should think to report the news, uh, unless you're staring them right in the face. And then most of the time they'll lie anyway. <laughs> so... When you have a group of people like that that are constantly bashing Trump, you know, that seems like that, that that's their number one goal these days is to bash Trump. Even though he's done more for everybody than any of these other idiots could ever think of combined. Uh hell of a lot more than any of those idiot, other idiots that was running against him. Thank God they didn't get in there. Like Comrade Clinton. Okay. What would she do? <laughs> Hit the nuke button, probably. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to nuke that little bug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good luck on that one. So they're, they're going to blame him for everything. You know that. Uh, and the 
the stupid ass media is fueling the fire. Okay, if they wouldn't fuel the fire, of course they're not going to stop that because they're liberals and liberals hate Trump. They hate everything that's good. Okay, in this world, in this country, in this world. Okay, they'll never be able to satisfy them. How can you satisfy a liberal? Okay, <laughs> where do you think the gun-free zones come from? Out of the mind of a liberal. Okay. How's that working out for you, huh? <laughs> See, in their minds, they think, ooh, gun-free zones, nobody dies. In reality, gun-free zones, a lot of people die. Seems to be a conflict there for some reason, a conflict of interest, I guess. But <laughs> they're all screwball, in my opinion. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Gunslinger, when it comes to the liberal media, how in, in this situation, you know, when it comes to the liberal media in a presidential election year, look at what they did during 2016. They praised Obama and condemned Donald Trump. You know, that was their methodology. That was their liberal their position. They they didn't want. Donald Trump in the White House. So they worked with the, D- the DNC. They sided with the DNC, to be more precise. And they figured, what the hell, you know? Nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. Because we'll tell them what to care about, and they'll, and they'll side with us. This is the way their thinking, their mentality was. And it was pretty much obvious in the way news items were reported about Donald Trump. They would take any story, put an anti-Trump twist on it almost immediately. And the sad reality is they did. And the sad reality today is they still do. So now the question becomes, how does the how how do how can the American people be convinced that CNN and MSNBC, the New York Times, the New York Daily News, the Huffington Post, the Washington Post, okay, all these liberal-leaning publications and outlets on cable are not helping. They're not even being honest in half the stories they, they tell. How do we convince, how do we convince our neighbors? our friends, people in our neighborhoods that we don't even know. How do we convince them that they're being lied to systematically to suit and support the liberal agenda? Go ahead. I, that's a good question. I mean, how do, you, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, short of catching them in a mouse trap, you know what that does to a mouse. Um, how are you going to do it? Okay, uh, just like they they can't stop. I, I don't know why. It's just like it's like I said. It's a, it's a mad just like a mad brain cow eating disease. Okay, mad cow disease. It's what they got. Mad liberal disease. Okay, they're on a. I, it's just amazing. Did you hear about the what's this? Uh, what was that comedian? Comedian? The bitch? The, the redhead? Kathy, Kathy Griffin, 
Remember her? She's at it again, believe it or not. I just read it a while ago. You know what this you know what this cunt said this time? Uh I'd love to inject President Trump with a syringe full of air. What do you think of that one? They see, they can't stop. <laughs> Did you hear about that one? Crazy motherfuckers. Great um right, yeah, from the Washington Examiner. That. Yeah, no, I didn't hear about it. Yeah, there's a, there's the article right there. In the Mixer chat room. <clears throat> See, another, another liberal mentality right there. It's amazing. Okay, this is getting out of hand. Now she's she's making an, an open death threat against the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, read that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Woo, folks. Kathy Griffin advo- is advocating plunging an air-filled syringe into the, in, into the president of the United States of America. I kid you not. According to the Washington Examiner. dot com. According to Washington Examiner. dot com. Now re. It says, reacting to a, tw- to a tweet from CNN White House correspondent, of course, asswipe Jim Acosta, which said Trump pondered whether or not he should be given an insulin regimen at a White House diabetes event on Tuesday. The comedian, uh, more like commodian, Kathy Griffin said syringe with nothing but air inside would do the trick. Fuck Trump. She was responding to responding to this. Trump at diabetes event at White House. I don't use insulin. Should I be? Of course, Jim Acosta is the biggest blowhard, liberal idiot for CNN I've ever seen. He's also the stupidest son of a bitch I've ever seen. In medical procedures, air accidentally injected into the body's bloodstream through syringes or IVs can cause an air embolism which can be fatal. Within moments, Twitter users were remarking how Griffin can expect another visit from the Secret Service. Another visit? Hell, they should be locking her fucking ass up. All right? Griffin stirred controversy three years ago when she held up a bloody prop of Trump's severed head in a photo shoot a move which disrupted her career and prompted a visit from the Secret Service, according to her lawyers. I don't think I will have a career after this, Griffin told reporters in tears after the photo became public. I'm going to be honest, he broke me. No, you broke yourself, you dumb shit. In response to a Washington Examiner tweet for this report, which noted the stabbing that stabbing someone with a syringe filled with air 
could be fatal, Griffin said she sure did advocate for the president to be stabbed with one such device. So she openly admits. Admitted it right there. Admitted it. Can you believe that? Her exact words on Twitter, I sure did, fucker. Hashtag <laughs> Trump white people died. That's the, the that's the exact tweet. Yep. Why is this cunt not in prison? Why is this cunt not in fucking prison? Okay? If me or you said that, shit, there'd be five fucking we black SUVs in our Broadway. See? You know, I, I got a good goddamn, I got a good fucking mind to call the Secret Service tomorrow and say what? What the fuck? Were, Why? Why is what? Done. They're already aware of this. They well, I know that they're be. already aware. Of it. Yeah, I know that they're already aware of it. But I'm just, I'm just going to ask them, why ain't this fucker in fucking prison? If I said something like that, you'd be knocking on my door with a pair of goddamn handcuffs, wouldn't you, motherfuckers? <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Well, I got a message for for Kathy Griffin. Whether or not she gets it, I don't know. But here's here's a message. A, here's a nice little message for you, for Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin, I'm going to say this, and it better sink into that dyed red hair of yours. Shut the fuck up, you stupid liberal cow. No, don't shut up. On second thought, please keep talking, stupid. The Secret Service this time will not only come to question you, they're going to come to a fucking haul your ass away. Threatening the life of a sitting president of the United States of America gives you a nice, nice, comfortable seat in a prison somewhere. And it ain't Bedford fucking Hills either. But Griffin, honestly, you need... You need your head examined. I'm not joking. You need psychiatric help. You are fucking gone. Even the Washington Examiner called the Secret Service. They reached out to the Secret Service down there at the very end. Down there, we did. <clears throat> That's odd. But good. Yeah. Griffin ended her quote tweet with a hashtag Trump lied, people died a common social media hashtag used by the president's critics blaming him for a poor response to the coronavirus pandemic that has been tied to nearly 100,000 deaths in the United States. Now, the Washington Examiner, as Gunslinger pointed out, did reach out to the Secret Service about Griffin's tweets. The Washington Examiner also asked Twitter if she breached the platform's violent threats policy. A representative said the company will look into the tweets. Do more than just look into the fucking things, you ass wipes. Uh, I don't know if President Trump actually has diabetes or not. Billy, uh, Billy is in the chat room asking the question if he, uh, as of about five minutes ago, asked if the president has diabetes. I'm not sure. I've never heard anything about him being diabetic. So I, I don't know. Everything is pretty much uh, kind of common knowledge. And when it comes to the President of the United States, 
you know, anything is, you know, everything and anything is, is put out there. So let's where see. It, where it says down there real quick uh, on that page here where it says, uh, uh, if it's to Twitter, about the Twitter, click on that blue link there where it says policy. There's the fucking policy of Twitter on violent threats. <clears throat> Read that. Tell me if she didn't violate that shit. Well, this is the overview. Well, I'm just going to read the policy in general that Twitter has regarding threats. In the overview, it says, March 2019, you may not threaten violence against an individual or a group of people. We also prohibit the glorification of violence. Healthy conversation is only possible when people feel safe from abuse and don't resort to using violent language. For this reason, we have a policy against threatening violence on Twitter. We define violent threats as statements of an intent to kill or inflict serious physical harm on a specific person or group of people. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to let you know what I think of this. What is in violation of this policy? Under this policy, you can't state an intention to inflict violence on a specific person or group of people. We define intent to include statements like, I will, I'm going to, or I plan to, as well as conditional statements like, if you do X, I will. Violations of this policy include, but are not limited to, Threatening to kill someone. Uh, okay. Threatening to sexually assault someone. Threatening to seriously hurt someone and or commit a other, another violent act that could lead to someone's death or serious physical injury. And asking for or offering a financial reward in exchange for inflicting violence on a specific person or group of people. What is not a violation of this policy? Hmm. We recognize that some people use violent language as part of hyperbolic speech or between friends, so we also allow some forms of violent speech where it's clear that there is no abusive or violent intent. Ergo, I'll kill you for sending me that plot spoiler. This policy is enforced in tandem with our policies on abusive behavior and hateful conduct. Statements that express a wish or hope that someone experiences physical harm, making vague or indirect threats or threatening actions that are unlikely to cause serious or lasting injury are not actionable under this policy, but may be reviewed and actioned under those policies. Note, we also have a policy against encouraging self-harm and suicide. Who can report violations of this policy? Anyone 
can report potential violations of this policy, whether they have a Twitter account or not. And then it goes into how you can report it. What happens if you violate this policy? Twitter says we will immediately and permanently suspend any account found to be posting violent threats. In rare cases, we may not suspend an account immediately. For example, if the reported content is a form of hyperbolic speech, in such cases, we may require you to remove this content. We may also temporarily lock you out out of your account before you can tweet again. If you continue to violate this policy, after receiving a warning, your account will be permanently suspended. If you believe that your account was suspended in error, you can submit an appeal. Okay. Now, I'm going to say something here that... uh, while the Washington Examiner did reach out to the Secret Service, Twitter needs to shut her down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Turn over this tweet to the Secret Service and shut her, permanent, shut her Twitter down permanently. The, the liberals on, on CNN and MSNBC are constantly and habitually calling for the president's Twitter account to be permanently suspended to be taken down. I think that threatening the life of a sitting U.S. president, well, gee, if I were in Twi- if I were the CEO of Twitter, I'd look at Kathy Griffin and go, na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, hey, 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 goodbye. We'll uh, be sure to remind you to have plenty of soap on a rope because you get male prison guards nowadays, you know, and they ain't exactly thrilled about you, so they may decide to use a nightstick instead of their, well, you get the idea. So, look, she belongs behind bars. It's It's as simple as that. But having heard the policy of Twitter, Gunslinger, what do you think? Um, what, do, you, do, you, do you think that Twitter will take down her account? I mean, personally, I don't see it happening. If, I would say if enough people would call Twitter or however you contact them and say, look, motherfuckers, Okay, what's the deal? You shut that fucking account down. Permanently suspend. Remember when I got thrown in Facebook jail? I didn't say shit. I just commented on somebody else's post. It wasn't even my fucking post. Okay? And I got thrown in fucking Facebook jail. Okay? Fuck Facebook, motherfuckers. Okay? And this wasn't even a threat. This was a merely just a response. I didn't threaten nobody. Damn sure I didn't say I was going to you know, a syringe for the president, you know, in the arm or whatever, or holding his head there, you know, like that dumb bitch did. Okay. But yeah, I got 30 days in Facebook jail. 
Can you tell me there's something? Do you see something wrong with this fucking picture? <laughs> Maybe slightly, possibly. Okay. I I mean, if that was me or you, they would have done suspended our account, turned it over to the Secret Service, and probably tomorrow they'd be fucking guys in black suits knocking on your fucking door, heavily armed. Okay. Would they or would they not? Go ahead. That is the question I ask of thee. I I I shudder to think, you know what would happen to us, to any one of us who made such a ridiculous threat like that. I mean, yeah, we'd probably get thrown under the prison. Never mind in it. So, yeah, this redhead died. This red-haired dye job. Dingbat bitch, Kathy Griffin, belongs behind bars. She threatened the life of a sitting U.S. president. That violated Twitter's um, Twitter's policies across the board. So, yep, she needs to go, go, go. But then again, I'm just one person with an opinion, and Gunslinger is one person with an opinion. 347-945-5747. Hey, America, want to hear from you. So... uh You know, let's hear what you have to say on it. 347-945-5747. You know, I, I get the... <clears throat> oh, here we go again. I get the distinct impression... Kathy Griffin, gunslinger, may just find herself behind bars this time. I really do. 307 area code, possibility of Wheatland, Ohio. Uh, Excuse me, Wheatland, Wyoming, my bad. Go ahead. Okay, if you're not going to say anything, go suck on your mom's tit again. Fucking airhead. Uh, here we go with the basement-dwelling, dumbass, dipshit dweebs. Unbelievable. And by the way, your phone service sucks. You might want to do something about that. Or not. You know something, Gun? Kathy Griffin... She gets away with this. Now I'm going to start questioning the Secret Service's ability to do their job. You know? Go ahead. Well, it's just not the Secret Service. It, yeah, it's just not the Secret Service that, that should be called into question. 
Okay. What boils my blood the most, which is a stupid threat, like you said, toward a sitting president of the United States of America. Okay. It's just like, you know, you got to use reason, logic, and common sense. You don't fucking yell fire in a, in a crowded fucking theater. You have the right to do that, freedom of speech, but logically and common sense says you shouldn't do that. Okay. And any reasonable person would not do that. Okay. Because it would probably result in a lot of people getting injured or killed. Okay. But when you do something out here, out here in the free world, the one, the world that we live in, you go and you go cut down the road down there more than five miles an hour over the speed limit, they'll nail your ass with a couple hundred dollar fine. You don't have, can I see your papers, please? Insurance papers. What is that now? About a four or $500 fine now? Okay. They can literally put you in jail for it. They can literally put you in jail for that. Okay? You don't pay your speeding ticket. 100 200 bucks. They can literally come out to your house or your job and take you off in handcuffs and put you in jail for some stupid-ass violation of a law that doesn't even exist. They're just ordinances. They're not law. And what pisses me off so goddamn bad, that first time that I got thrown in jail for three months for contempt of court, I got thrown in jail for three fucking months for something that I didn't even do on contempt of court. Okay? But yet, this little cunt gets away, basically, with threatening the President of the United States of America. Fucking goddamn world's gone mad, man. Go ahead. Chat, that pisses me off. Wow. Well, I think what we're what we're kind of faced with in this country right now is, you know, you get a person like Kathy Griffin doing this shit, and it becomes a question of, okay, the Secret Service didn't do anything with the with the bloody severed head business, but this is some this is this is there's a, there's a definite pattern here. First is a, uh, a fake, bloody, severed head that looks like Donald Trump. Now she's talking about using a syringe to create a lethal air embolism. I'm sorry, but somebody needs to take this bitch and bury her under the fucking prison. I mean, yeah. Okay, so you you want to make that kind of a threat, huh, Kathy Griffin? Secret Service, y'all better get this bitch off the street. She's a danger to herself and everyone around her, including the President of the United States. And by the way, think about this. If someone were to carry out that threat, boy, she'd be in a whole peck of trouble then. Because... She's the one who who brings it out. Uh, is this in is this in relation to Kathy Griffin uh, threatening the life of the president, Billy? 
Okay, then I'll look at that later. Because if it's a, a follow-up to the previous video, I haven't even looked at that one yet. But I've got it queued into my history, so it'll it'll be there. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> oh, great. Now my throat don't want to work. So, to close this, this uh, Kathy Griffin story out, if, in fact, something happens to President Trump along the lines of what Kathy Griffin said, not only should she face life in prison without parole ever, but she'll face a lot of time behind bars, guaranteed. So, I mean, there there's a fine line that you just don't cross. Hmm. I guess uh, I had a caller from the 917 area code, but I guess they figured out what I was doing and ran like a scolded dog. Good, they're learning. They know that as soon as I start looking them up, they're going to get nailed. See? There you go, gunslinger. Trolls actually learn. To stop trolling when they realize they can get caught easy. <clears throat> All right. So anyway, moving right along here. Shit, I can't even read this print. My eyes are so tired. Shit. Almost opened up the wrong on the wrong point there, here, here, and there, you know. <clears throat> America, have I got a, an item for you? For ten, it has been 10 years. Can you believe it? 10 years since the shuttle program was decommissioned. Well, now NASA administrators are talking about Launch America. Okay? Two veteran NASA astronauts <clears throat> are gearing up for a historic SpaceX test flight to the International Space Station. Retired Marine Colonel Doug Hurley and Air Force Colonel Bob Benkin will lift off from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida this, this coming Wednesday, tomorrow. This mission will mark the first time NASA astronauts will lift off from American soil in nearly a decade. Now, One American News... Uh, 
<clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Boy, this is doing great today. I find this very interesting because uh, you know it's been a long time since NASA launched anything from the U.S. as far as astronauts going into space because for a long time we've had to hitch a ride with the Russians. Yeah. Now before I go any further, before I play the clip, allegedly from White Plains, New York, 917, go ahead. Dad, jerk me off, George. Ah, go suck your mommy's tit again, bud. Go smoke the bong full of Fruit Loops and watch a mid-morning movie tomorrow, you basement-dwelling dweeb. Get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. Don't they have, they have nothing else better to do. Nothing else better to do. Guess they have I guess they haven't had their dicks sucked in a while by their mommies. <sighs> yeah, I know. I shouldn't be so cruel to these basement dwelling dweebies. They turn into babies. They cry to their mommies. That's why they get to suck mommy's tit all day in the basement. All right, here we go. Now, where was I? Oh, yes, I was about to put this in the chat room when I decided to extricate another bottom-feeding, basement-dwelling dweeb. All right, now then. Oh, give me a fucking break today. Uh, now then, shocking thing is, this time it works. <laughs> and the winner is, come on, you dirty name. Two veteran NASA astronauts are gearing up for a historic SpaceX test flight to the International Space Station. We have retired Marine Colonel, that is, Doug Hurley and Air Force Colonel Bob Benkin. They're going to lift off from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida this Wednesday. And this mission will mark the first time NASA astronauts will lift off from American soil. Nearly a decade joining me now to speak about this historic mission is NASA's Administrator Jim Bridenstine. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. It is good to be with you. Thank you so much for your time. We know you have an extra busy schedule this week. So, again, the week is finally here. I'm excited to witness this very historic event. But why has it taken nearly a decade, and what has it been like to prepare for such a big mission? So, as a lot of people are aware, um, there was a time uh, back in 2011 when we retired the space shuttles. Um, and then at, the, at that time, um, we, we uh, the United States government canceled um, the replacement for the space shuttle, which was called the Constellation Program. And so we as a nation have been without a human spaceflight capability now for, as you mentioned, almost 10 years. So what we're doing now is we're launching American astronauts on American rockets from American soil for the first time 
since the retirement of the space shuttles back in 2011. We're doing it differently though. This time when we launch, um, we're going with commercial partners. NASA is not owning and operating the hardware the way we used to. We're partnering with commercial industry. NASA's goal is to be one customer of many customers in a robust commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit, but we also want to have numerous suppliers that are competing against each other on cost and innovation. So we are buying a service to take our astronauts to and from the International Space Station today, but in the future, we want to see a very robust commercial marketplace where we've got commercial space stations in orbit that are doing those breakthrough technologies that are going to change life here on Earth. Um, so it's an exciting launch, and of course, we're just two short days away at this point. Yeah, that's why we appreciate you joining us again. It's such an important week. And with so many restrictions in place right now during the pandemic, we can imagine that this has made the process that much more difficult. How have these restrictions affected the launch or even the astronauts' protocols? So the astronauts, um, there's, there's a, a long history of a protocol where we have our astronauts go into quarantine. We need to get the what we call health stabilization established long before they go to space. And we've been doing that now for 20 years. We've had astronauts on the International Space Station. And our goal is and always has been to make sure we don't let any infections get on board the International Space Station. So our astronauts have been in quarantine, but it's not like really it's not different than any other launch. Um, but, but I will say it's hard for this agency. Most of this agency um, for the last three months has been uh, working from home. And so that, that makes it a lot more difficult when, when we're working from home. But I will tell you this, um, this is a mission essential function. We have been buying rides from Russia for the last 10 years to get access to the International Space Station. Well, that, that era is gonna end and we're gonna have our own access to the International Space Station. And I just wanna say I'm grateful to this administration. President Trump appointed Vice President Pence to be the chairman of the National Space Council they have supported us with resources. They have supported us with policy. And we're finally getting to that point where we're ready to launch American astronauts again. And I expect that they will be joining you guys there on Wednesday. We are very excited to show that to our viewers. Now, again, it's a very exciting moment. It's thinking of future missions, one of them being to Mars. So how does this lay the groundwork for further space exploration? It's very important. So this mission is to the International Space Station, which is in low Earth orbit. Um, but the president laid out a very aggressive agenda to get to the moon sustainably. His very first space policy directive uh, said that we're gonna go to the moon, we're gonna go sustainably. In other words, we're gonna stay at the moon. We're gonna learn how to live and work on another world for long periods of time. We're gonna use the resources of the moon. In other words, the hundreds of millions of tons of water ice Water ice represents oxygen, it's air to breathe, it's water to drink, but it's also hydrogen, which is rocket fuel, the same rocket fuel that powered the space shuttles. And it's available in hundreds of millions of tons on the surface of the moon. And we're gonna learn how to live and work on another world, in other words, the moon. We're gonna build the architecture that is necessary for us to go all the way to Mars. The challenge with Mars is that Earth and Mars are on the same side of the sun once every 26 months. So when you go, you have to be willing to stay for long periods of time. The way we prove it out is we go to the moon and we, we're calling the program Artemis. Artemis in Greek mythology is the twin sister to Apollo. We love the Apollo program of the 1960s and the early 1970s. Um, but in this era, 
we get to go to the moon with all of America, including women. So we're naming the program after Apollo's twin sister, Artemis, and we're looking forward. We've been given direction by the president to land the next man and the first woman on the South Pole of the moon by 2024. And that's what we're rapidly um, racing towards. And we all can't wait to witness that. Now, before I let you go, one more quick question, Jim. Why does Rice play Texas? Well, boy, I'll tell you, you just hit a nerve on that one. Um, Rice plays Texas because Rice beats Texas. That's why we play Texas. I will tell you, I was standing on the sidelines in 1994 as a, as a Rice undergraduate student. And, of course, you're asking that question. A lot of your audience may not know, but when John F. Kennedy challenged America to go to the moon, he said, why do we climb the highest mountain? Why do we cross the ocean? And then he said, why does Rice play Texas? We do these things because they are hard. Um, and that's why we go to space. That's why we go to the moon. That's why we explore. We're making new discoveries all the time. Just in the last two years, we have found liquid water 12 kilometers under the surface of Mars. Mars is covered with complex organic compounds, the building blocks for life. They don't exist on the moon at all, but they exist all over Mars. The probability of finding life on another world keeps going up. And in order to do that, we have to do difficult things. That's why Rice plays Texas, but I will also tell you, in 1994, I was on the sidelines when Rice beat Texas 19 to 17. So thank you for that important question. I thought you would appreciate it. And if I may add in there, it's the power of winning. Thank you very much for your time, Jim. We really appreciate it. Always. Want to see more videos like this? Click. So there you have it, folks. There you have it. America will launch from the Kennedy Space, from the Johnson Space, from the Florida. Get your name straight, George. <laughs> from the Florida uh, launching pads at the NASA facility there. And uh, I mean, we're talking. Blasting off from the Kennedy Space Center in in Florida. So there you go. We are going back into space once more uh, aboard rockets made in this country, operated by a company in this country. No more will we have to. Hitch a ride on, on a Russian rocket. So I dare say the space race begins again. Gun, you you heard the clip. What are your thoughts? Well, it's long overdue. It's long overdue. It should have never stopped, really. Why they retired, retired, retired the space shuttle and everything. I myself echoing, repeating. Try it now. Test, test. Test, test. Okay. Oh, I still barely, but I... Test again. Test again. Still here. Still here. Try again. Test, test, test. Still there. Try it. Keep trying again, please. One, two, three. Getting a little lower. Still there. 
If there's anything lower, I won't hear you at all. Just, that's it. It was just a bubble. The way it ain't bothered me now. Okay, I can't even hear you now. I've got the speakers turned down so low, I can't even hear you. Wow. I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn my mic off so this way you can respond. And I'll have to turn it on and off every time you talk. Go ahead. Can you repeat now? Okay. Well, anyway, like I said, I mean, it's – it's uh, they should have never re- re- uh, retired the, the shuttle fleet and everything, or at least built new ones. I mean, I don't know what the problem was. What did they do? Run out of money? <laughs> okay, but it's a it's that was an amazing error. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I can tell you one real quick. It was me, my sister, and my ex niece back in the early '90s. I think it was. We was going down to Pensacola, Florida. And we happened to go by the uh, the testing site for NASA. I think it was down there in around Houston, or it was right in that area. So I think it was the Houston Test Center down there. And we just happened to drive by there and said, NASA. And I thought, well, hell, let's go over and check it out. It's right there on the highway, okay? So we went in there, and they got a big museum and, you know, the whole nine yards. And we're walking around looking at all the different displays and shit. And I'll be damn out of fucking nowheresville. A lady come over the loudspeaker and says, if everybody will meet in front of the building, we'll take you out my bus, and we're fixing to test a shuttle rocket. Looked at each other like, holy shit, you got to be kidding me. And we asked the lady there, she said, you mean uh, they're testing an actual rocket for the space shuttle? She said, yep. Yeah. Everybody meet in front. We'll go out there. They took about two buses out there, way out there. I mean, it's way out there in the field. And... I'm sitting there looking at this motherfucker. This thing's about seven stories tall, okay? And I'm going, holy shit, look at this thing. And they had a bunch of bleachers over there. We all set up there on the bleachers. And the guy that was there, uh, he said, just uh, hold your ears and hold on to something. And they fired that motherfucker up, and I swear to God, that was it. I've never been in an earthquake, but now I know what an earthquake feels like. The fucking ground literally shook. And we was a good 400 yards from this thing, okay? I mean, I never heard such a fucking roar in my goddamn life. Because they, the, they had to test them at full power. They can't just sit there and pussyfoot around with them. They have to throttle it full power. And I said, what the hell keeps this thing from taking off? He said, the pylons are 200 feet in the ground in solid concrete, and there's about 30 of them that holds this thing down. Or it would take off. I said, Wow. That was the first and only time I ever seen that, man. You talk about a lucky son, bitch. Go ahead. Well, by the way, can you hear me? Okay. Loud, clear. Okay. I've had to make several adjustments again. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't see how you're able to. Why you're getting an echo, and then and my volumes were the same as they've always been. Something. In, it's got to be something in, in in the connection. So. But no, it, it, NASA has, since the, the end of the shuttle program, has wanted to get back into space, thanks to a bum banger. The budget for for NASA was cut severely. He cut the NASA budget so deep that, to this day, I'd love to know where he trans where where he put the money for it. That money got diverted from NASA to something else, only the American people don't know where it was diverted to. 
So it's nice to see that we're going back into space, but here's where the challenge lies, okay? The challenge is in the fact that because of the pandemic, who's going to be at the, at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida to monitor this space flight? Are they going to have some sort of a computer relay system for the, you know, for, for, for the uh, NASA personnel to, you know, to, to monitor this, this space flight? Or will they be allowed to go to NASA, to the Kennedy Space Center, <clears throat> the Kennedy Space Center, and do their job from the actual Space Center control room? That's going to raise it. That, that, that's that's the one question that keeps coming to my mind. You know, go ahead. They're going to have to do something, I guess, because you can't control it from your from your workbench at home. Um, it's a very complicated system that they have to monitor at all times. So, I, yeah, I mean, uh, mask, uh, they ain't going to be sitting next to each other in the mission control room, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to have to work out something uh, pretty quick if that's how fast they want to do this. Go ahead. Well, they got to, they got to, they, they, they need to figure this out before tomorrow. Hopefully they got to figure it out because tomorrow is the launch of, of the uh, SpaceX rocket with the astronauts aboard. So if they're launching tomorrow, they're, they're going to be keep, they're going to be monitoring this somehow. But let's also bear in mind that this is not a NASA rocket. That they're, go- that they're going up in. This is SpaceX, a privately owned company rocket. So now, the question really becomes more to the point, who at space- will SpaceX give them monitoring control? Or will they, or will they do it themselves and just keep NASA apprised. See, I don't know how this is going to play out because um, since our early uh, man moonshots, you know, NASA always had the ball. They had, they had guys in the control room who monitored the, the space flight every step of the way. They literally kept an eye on everything. Now we're in the era of the private industry. I think what really hurt NASA were the two space shuttle incidents. And that that would that would certainly be my guess. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense between that and Obama you know, slashing their budget like he did. I don't know. Three four seven nine four five five seven four seven. Please don't make Gunslinger the only call I have tonight, which he is right now. 
He's the only one I got here. So, and I'm grateful for that, believe it or not. I'm glad he's here. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here talking to myself. I don't have much money in the bank, so talking to myself really wouldn't make much sense anyway. Oh, did I do that out loud again? Three four seven nine four five five seven four seven. We are going to take a break at this time. I give you my word, folks. I'll try and make this a quickie. Uh, a really, really, really quick, 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 quick break, if I can. But I don't do breaks that often these days. So, we'll be back in just a moment with more Firefox news online. I guarantee it. I am Vito Corleone. I am the Godfather. Inviting you to join my good friend, George Sinza, for more news and topic discussion on Firefox News Online here on blogtalkradio.com. But rather than I tell you about it, George, you tell them about it. Thank you, Vito. Join me as we continue with more Firefox News Online on blogtalkradio.com in just a few moments. And you can join us live on the air at 347-945-5747. Or you can contact us via Skype. Hey, listen. The Godfather will tell you. We are the best in the business. On October 6, 2012... We managed to garner over 10,000 archive and live listens combined. Now, if that's not an accomplishment, I don't know what is. So, as I pass it back to the Godfather, be sure to join us, won't you? Vito? Thank you, George. Ladies and gentlemen, George just made you an offer you cannot refuse. We'll be right back in just a few moments. What should you do to stop a friend from driving drunk? <laughs> Whatever you have to. A public service message brought to you by the Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and Firefox News Online. During this time of coronavirus pandemic here in America, I want you to consider, those of you who live in the state of New York, joining the State Defense Force, formerly known as State Militia, the New York Guard. The New York Guard serves side-by-side side with the New York Army National Guard during emergency or, national or natural disaster or national emergency. And right now, the New York Guard is active. They're on state active duty, working side-by-side side with their New York Army National Guard counterparts 
to help during this time of global pandemic. The following public service announcement invites you to join the New York Guard if you're a New York State resident. I encourage you to hear it out. And please, if you're a New York State resident, consider joining the New York Guard. Hi, I'm Sergeant George Senzer, honorably discharged veteran of the State Defense Force, the New York Guard. Now, I've got a few questions for you. First of all, are you at least 18 years of age or older? Second of all, are you in reasonably good health? But most important of all, are you a New York State resident looking to serve your country? If you are, then have I got a great idea for you. Join the New York Guard. The New York Guard is a State Defense Force operated and funded by the State of New York through the Division of Military and Naval Affairs. And the New York Guard has a long and illustrious history dating back as far as World War I. I served two tours of active duty with the New York Guard on September 11, 2001, the day of the most horrendous attack on our nation since Pearl Harbor. I was proud to serve with the New York Guard. I served with them for six years, and I made a difference. You can too. Make a difference. Join the New York Guard today. Go to www.dmna.ny.gov slash nyg. That's dmna.ny.gov slash nyg. Click on the link, Enlistment Resources, download the recruitment package, fill out the application, send it back, and be sure to contact the recruiters letting them know that you have a desire to serve and that you've sent back the completed application. The New York Guard, New York State's Defense Force, protecting the residents of the state of New York and helping them through emergencies and times of natural disaster. Join the New York Guard today and make a difference. Okay, kids, gather around. I know we haven't discussed this in a while, but uh, who remembers where we're all going to meet in case of an emergency? Um, I do. Grand Central Station. Times Square. No, silly. Higher ground. Where's that? The mountains, son. But we live in the city. Hmm, right. Good point. What about supplies and all that other stuff? Ah, don't you even worry. Your mom has all those canned beets somewhere in the apartment. Oh, I just remembered. I also have canned cocktail onions. What about water? We have a few gallons stored in the basement. But we don't have a basement. He means the storage unit. Where's that? 32nd and 7th. Great. Sounds like we don't have a plan. What time's the game on? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Search ReadyKids at NYC.gov or call 311. A public service announcement brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies, like the storm. When it kicked in, we had a plan. We were able to get in touch with each other in no time. had no idea how to find each other. My husband kept the kids occupied. our son, but there was no reception. Everything was down. I felt like we handled everything very well. I had to try and stay calm. The whole experience was fine. was the most frightening 10 hours of my life. It was, it was kind, kind of like, like a little family adventure. Every mother hopes will never happen to her. I, I remember, remember the, the relief 
of being together. I realized together. he was out there all alone. If, if there's, there's one piece of advice I'd offer other moms, moms out there, there it's to stay it's calm ignore and keep message. to the plan. Some parents plan ahead. Some don't. Make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency. Visit nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds. Over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Are you ready? Are you ready? For the thousands in attendance, and the millions around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hi, this is Alvin of Alvin and the Chipmunks, and you're listening to Firefox News Online on blogtalkradio.com. Take it away, George! You're listening to the most powerful radio broadcast anywhere. Firefox News Online. The FFNOP Radio Network. 347-945-5747. We're back. Lines are open. Broadcasting from New York, the Empire State, you're listening to Firefox News Online. And we're back here at Firefox News Online with an hour and 13 minutes left to go in the broadcast, an hour and 13 minutes left to go before we are done for the night. Totally, that is. Unless the call volume changes. That is. I'm George Sinzer, and you're listening and watching the world's most powerful internet broadcast ever. You know, I look at I look at all the numbers I, at the end of the shows. I wait to check the video information. In archives alone. I've t- this show has taken off. I mean, it has really taken off. I'm very pleased. Albeit sometimes a little shocked. 
but very pleased. I, I guess, you know, when, when you've done something as, for as long as I have um, over these years, sometimes things don't shock you or surprise you when it comes to certain numbers. Now, while, other, while there are some folks out there who, who, can, who make a claim to being number one and everything, I actually look at my stats just for shits and giggles. I don't care if I'm number one. You know why? Because I love what I do on this broadcast. I actually enjoy doing this. How many people actually can honestly and, and, and with sincerity say they enjoy doing what they do? Now, I've heard a lot of lip service about, from people saying, oh, I just love doing this. You can tell by the tone of their voice they're not sincere. And that sucks. And that's coming from terrestrial, from terrestrial radio. And, of course, what you see on cable. Get my point? When it comes to alternative media... I'm blessed to be able to bring this show each and every day of the week that I do it. And sometimes I do an extra show or two. But that's because, you know, there are times when I feel, I feel there's a need to do it. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just imagining things. Nah. It's all good, though. The one thing about this broadcast uh, is that when I started this broadcast, I dedicated this broadcast to my mother, who at the time I was taken care of and had Alzheimer's. May 23rd marked two years since my brother passed away. My brother, long before he passed away, told me he liked the show. He likes what I do. You know what? Here it is two years later. And my brother Billy's words still remind me that it's not the quantity of what is done here. It's the quality of what is brought to the table. And I'm not, to, I'm not talking about what I bring to it. The show is merely a conduit, a place where people can discuss the headlines that are out there right now. And even if I just have one person, like tonight, I've, I've only got gunslinger on the phone lines. Oh, I'm sure I've had a bunch of trolls, a bunch of bottom-feeding, basement-dwelling, bong-smoking dweebs, but they don't count. They're head cases. Gunslinger is a down-to-earth human being that gives a shit about his country. Let me tell you something. Eleven years ago, Gunslinger showed up on my show. He came here. 
Yeah, we've had we've had a few heavy duty back and forths over the years. But you know what? I've come to not only respect this man, but I've come to 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 consider him a very a very good friend. Now, Gunslinger may may be from the the Lone Star State, and he may carry a bigger gun than I do. Of course, he carries a pistol. I don't carry a pistol. But he probably has a bigger rifle than I got. In fact, I know he does. But look, all, all kidding aside, Gunslinger is, you know, he's like all of us in America, willing to speak his mind. And that's what this broadcast is all about, giving you an opportunity to speak your mind on the topics we bring up here. Because at the end of the day, you, know, you could watch Fox News Channel, CNN, MSNBC, and watch all the talking foreheads you want, you know, the pundits and contributors that they have. But which would you rather listen to? Which would you rather hear from? The cable news talking heads or down-to-earth everyday Americans like you and I? who see what's going on in our neighborhoods and in our towns, who sees what's going on in the headlines, but we feel like nobody's going to listen to us. We're not important to them, and we're not. Now, I like Fox News Channel. Part of the name of this broadcast is, incorporates Fox News. Why? Because I watch it. I don't use the Mozilla Firefox browser much anymore, but that's how I started the show with it. I started using that browser doing this show. And of course, I'm always being online, doing, you know, researching this or that. That's how the name of the show came about. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes right down to it, I'd rather have a hundred gunslingers on the on the phone line. Why? Because he's down to earth, he's straightforward, he doesn't mince words, and he'll tell you where to go stuff it in your fucking hat and pound salt up your ass three ways to Sunday. Won't bother me any, won't bother him any. Might bother you plenty, but you know. There you go. So not for anything, but Billy, No Way, Gunslinger, Mike here in New York, if he ever comes back, that's a big if. There are people that I regard as, you know, folks you want to hear from. But make no mistake, I'm not like any other broadcaster. I'll put my foot down if I feel it has to be put down. And as these basement-dwelling, bottom-feeding dweebs that are known as trolls have learned so far, they better learn the lesson quick. I'll keep pounding it, pounding it into them left and right. They're finding out 
George doesn't play by normal rules. The rules he plays by are the rules he puts out there. So bottom-feeding, basement-dwelling dweebs, you have been warned. (laughs) Oh, did, did I just do my evil laugh again, Gun? I hate when that happens. John, where'd you go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Don't scare me like that. I thought you I thought you fell out on me here. You done spooked it did it me. That's not a good sign, you know. You 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 have me going It's the big one. That's what you'll have me doing. I'll be doing a Fred Sanford on here. I don't do a Fred Sanford act very very good. Red Fox did it better. All right. So, you know, it's kind of funny how the Democrats are hammering Trump, but they're overlooking the Obama dictatorship's record. Ooh, I've got the hiccups now. Record of firing inspectors general. You know, it's funny that I came across this article because I got to thinking, they're nailing him because he fired an inspector's general or the State Department, right? I mean, come on, really? Get a load of this, folks. Joe Biden recently admitted that he didn't recall the Obama administration's conspicuous 2009 firing of a prominent inspector general, even as he sought to slam President Trump for terminating the State Department's internal watchdog amid a probe of whether Secretary of State Mike Pompeo ordered staffers do the dishes, walk the dog, and obtain dry cleaning. Uh, right. I want to make sure I read that right. The awkward moment, which, became, which came during a Yahoo News virtual town hall last Tuesday, highlighted a problem for the Biden campaign and others hammering away at Trump's IG firings. While those decisions have been controversial enough to raise concerns from even the Republican side of the aisle, the Obama administration, in which Biden served, has its own complicated record of ousting and tangling with the government watchdogs. Like it did any good. Inspector General's were designed to make government honest, Biden said, promising he wouldn't fire any inspectors general if elected. However, the Obama administration terminated several inspectors general, and the circumstances drew ample criticism at the time. (laughs) I didn't even know he did it. I'll be honest with you, folks. 
George Walton was appointed by President George W. Bush as the IG for the Corporation for National and Community Service, the federal agency overseeing AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps and other initiatives. The Wall Street Journal reported that in April 2008, Walton was tasked with investigating reports of irregularities at St. Hope, a California nonprofit run by former NBA star and Obama supporter Kevin Johnson. Specifically, St. Hope obtained an $850,000 AmeriCorps grant intended to help tutor local students redevelop some buildings, and enhance theater and art programs. Walton's team, however, discovered that the money had been used instead to pad staff salaries, meddle politically in a school board election, and have AmeriCorps members perform personal services for Mr. Johnson, including washing his car, the journal reported. Now, Walton along with a career oversight official, determined that Johnson, as well as St. Hope and one of Johnson's assistants, should be suspended from receiving taxpayer dollars. Walton also made a referral to federal prosecutors. When Johnson was elected mayor of Sacramento, the suspension threatened to block the city's access to stimulus dollars from the Obama administration. An Obama-appointed U.S. attorney, Lawrence Brown, then took the lead and settled the matter with Johnson, essentially cutting Walton out of the loop. St. Hope ultimately had to repay approximately $400,000, and Johnson himself was cleared. Walton said he was then told by Norman Eason a special counsel to Obama on matters of ethics and government reform, that he had to move on. Eisen publicly complained that Walton was confused and disoriented. At an, at an agency board meeting, had issues with honesty and engaged in other troubling and inappropriate conduct. That charge led Glenn Beck to issue a senility test to Walton live on air on Fox News Channel. Walton passed. I can, o <clears throat> I can only say that I became a thorn in the side of someone because I was doing my job, Walton told Beck. Now, Easton and, and White House counsel Greg Greg Craig, there's a name for you, Greg Craig. Yeah. Confusing, ain't it? Would later say that Brown had, logged, had lodged a complaint against Walpin for misconduct in the Johnson probe, including for allegedly withholding exculpatory information. Given that Brown had settled with Johnson and St. Hope, including by requiring that they repay half of the funds, sorry folks, they received, uh, repay half of the funds they received, the journal called Craig's position curious and apparently little more than a pretext 
for firing Walton. Indeed, in late 2009, Walton was cleared by federal investigators of any wrongdoing in the Johnson probe. Mr. Brown alleged you, you hindered his office's investigation of the underlying matters and disregarded Department of Justice policy and his warnings about dealing with such matters in the press. Integrity Committee Chairman Kevin Perkins wrote to Walton, after carefully considering the allegations described in the complaint, together with your response, sorry again, I lost my place too. Ah, the Integrity Committee determined that the response sufficiently and satisfactorily addressed the matter and that further investigation was not warranted. The termination drew criticism from Senator Claire McCaskill, Democrat from Missouri, an Obama backer, as well as several Republicans. As a senator, Obama had recently co-sponsored the Inspectors General Reform Act, which required presidents to provide 30 days notice and a valid reason before firing an inspector general. The White House has failed to follow the proper procedure in notifying Congress as to the removal of the Inspector General for the Corporation for National and Community Service, McCaskill said. The legislation, which was passed last year, requires that the President give a reason for the removal. Loss of confidence is not a sufficient reason. I'm hopeful the White House will provide a more substantive rationale in writing as quickly as possible. A congressional probe conducted by the Senate Finance Committee. Wow. This yawning is getting out of control. I lost my place again. A congressional probe conducted by the Senate Finance Committee and House Oversight Committee later characterized Johnson as a prominent fundraiser with disproportionate access to the White House. The congressional investigators criticized Eason for failing to conduct a a thorough and deliberate probe of Walton's activities and instead only questioning those with a vested interest in securing Walton's ouster. A court would later throw out Walton's effort to sue for reinstatement, saying the Inspector General Reform Act didn't allow for that remedy. Walton was not identified. Walton has not identified any text in the IGRA, which explicitly creates a cause of action for an aggrieved inspector general, nor has he presented any authority demonstrating that demonstrating, sorry, that Congress drafted the IGRA with the intent to give individual inspectors general an enforceable right to continued employment. Ooh, exclusive coffee burp. I don't know which is worse, yawning or or burping my coffee away. (laughs) Yes, folks, silly stuff. 
I didn't even get a chance to say a fucking word. I'm already caught off guard with a yawn. Okay. Basically, what I'm getting from all this, all right, and Gunslinger, help me to dissect this, please. What I'm getting here is there appears to be clear liberal action against President Trump because he dared to fire an inspector's general. Okay? Now, if memory serves me correctly, and I believe it does, inspector generals serve at the pleasure of the President of the United States of America. Okay? So, what I'd like to know is, how can they pass legislation that ties the hands of the executive branch basically saying you have to give a legitimate reason. You cannot just uh, say that you lost confidence in him. Well, if a president of the United States loses confidence in someone who serves at at the pleasure of the president of the United States of America, I would think that that would be sufficient reason enough. And it should be. If I were the President of the United States, and Gunslinger, you were the IG that I lost confidence in, and I told you right to your face, Gunslinger, I, I, I've lost, I feel like I can't, I can't believe I ha- I'm saying this to you, but I've lost confidence in your ability to do your job fairly, sufficiently, and without bias. And I'm going to have to let you go. Now, of course, you know, most people in that position would probably look at me and go, well, Mr. President, I understand your concerns, and I, and, and I, res- I respect your decision. You know, I don't like it, but, you know, the inspector general serves, like many in the administration, serves at the pleasure of the president. So if you feel that if you've lost confidence in me and you feel I haven't done my job adequately, uh, you know, then there's nothing I can do. And nine times out of ten, most people would just drift away. They'd leave. But, but the problem is... In the era of Donald Trump, the left doesn't want to hear that. They don't want to hear honesty and fair play kind of moves. Because honestly, you know, President Trump probably went, you know, probably, you know, felt that this guy wasn't doing his job adequately. And an employer has the right to discharge the services of an employee if that employer feels that they have not lived up to their obligation, to their, to their employment obligation, the job description as laid out to them. And if this inspector general uh, didn't do his job to the, to the satisfaction of the president, then 
being fired was probably the best thing for him. What do you think, Gunn? Well, just like you said, if you've got somebody working for you and they're not doing a satisfactory job, then they're going to get canned. Plain and simple. I've been in my own business for ten, little ten, ten and a half years. I've fired and hired plenty of people. Okay. And I don't make nothing. You ain't doing the job, get the fuck off my job. You know, get your tools and go. Get your tools and go. Plain and simple. Or I'll take a fucking goddamn pipe bender and I'll bend a goddamn 90 in your fucking neck to boot. So, you know, yeah, you're fired. Trump said, remember when he said it, you know, <laughs> you don't, he don't fuck around with, you know, you know, just sitting there just idling and not doing nothing or doing very little. Can you do your job? Hit the road, Joe. Catch you later. Yeah, it's like the song says, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. <laughs> All right. Supposedly from Ogden, Utah, we've got an 801 area code caller. Go ahead, caller. Have you had sex with other people besides? Ah, go suck your mama's tit, you little shit. Yeah, you didn't get very far. Nice try, though. Hey, basement-dwelling, bottom-feeding dweebs. Do the world a fucking favor and call your mommy down to the basement. Tell her to rip open her blouse because you need to suck on her tits for a while because you didn't get enough breast milk when you were a baby. And you still haven't grown up from the neck up. Or if you can't get mommy to come down to the basement, pass the bong around a little more. Your brain cells aren't burnt enough yet. Beyond that, just learn that you will not get very far here. You may think you did, but you didn't. Oh, and by the way, I have friends uh, in high places, basement dwellers, and every phone number I collect gets turned over to these nice men and women who are tech-savvy and can drill past Skype and Google numbers and get right to your front door. And I give that over to a friend of mine tomorrow morning. You just don't learn. I didn't make friends in law enforcement for nothing. What do you think? I'm fucking blind, deaf, and dumb dweebs? Grow a brain cell. You know, Gunslinger, I firmly believe that when they said trains, when they said brains, these basement-dwelling, bottom-feeding dweebs thought they said trains and tried to buy a ticket for an Amtrak train to nowhere. Seriously, I I firmly believe that that's what they they did. maybe, Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm imagining things. 
anyway, getting back to this uh, to this thing with with the IG, you know, Gunslinger, I, I think the IG, like many in the administration, sir, like I said, serve at the behest of the president. To to turn around and just act as if, you know. I don't know. The Democrats are, are, are a delusional bunch. And we can safely say, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we can all agree on that. The liberal media joins that delusional bunch. You know? Oh, yeah, look, but look who you're dealing with. You're dealing with just the media, the, they're liberal, you know, their their dogs are liberal, their cats are liberal, their fucking cars are liberal. They just, they, they're just totally off in the left field out there. They have detached themselves from reality. And that proves it. I mean, you know, you see it every day. Hell, you don't see it every day. You see it every hour, every minute, every second. And there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, here's where the here's where one Democrat governor is getting is getting his ass handed to him. Three Republican groups are suing California Governor Gavin Newsom over the mail-in vote order, according to Reuters. The Republican National Committee and two other Republican groups on Sunday filed a lawsuit against California Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh, I try and keep, trying to keep, my, I don't know about you, Gunslinger, but my allergies are, are killing me. I've been a killer all day today. Ugh, let me try and get through this story again. So the RNC, Republican National Committee, and two other Republican groups, filed a lawsuit Sunday against California Governor Gavin Newsom over his executive orders to use mail-in ballots for the November election. California was the first state in the country to commit to sending mail-in ballots to all registered voters for the November election, a move responding to the coronavirus pandemic. Democrats continue to use this pandemic as a ploy to implement their partisan election agenda. And Governor Newsom's executive order is the latest direct assault on the integrity of our elections. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel said in a statement, The RNC said that voting by mail creates an opportunity for fraud. Republicans, including U.S. President Donald Trump, have claimed mail-in voting is susceptible to rigging. No state that conducts all mail-in elections automatically mails ballots to inactive voters because it invites fraud, coercion, theft, and otherwise illegitimate voting, it added. The lawsuit asks for Newsom's order to be barred as unlawful and was filed by the RNC the National Republican Congressional Committee, and the California Republican Party. Numerous studies have found little evidence of voter fraud connected to voting by mail. 
Democrats say it is necessary to counter health risks from coronavirus by helping to prevent crowds at polling places. Last Wednesday, President Trump denounced plans to expand voting by mail in Michigan and Nevada. He briefly threatened to withhold federal funding for the two states, but dropped the warning after an avalanche of criticism from Democrats. Now, this is, the, this is what Reuters wrote about this. Now, let me tell you something, okay, and then I want to get your thoughts, Gunn. I just recently, and let me see, do I ha- is it here still? Do I have it? I should have it right here. I, kept, I wanted to keep it right where I could get to it. Uh, that's not it. Uh, well, uh, well, I had it here. No, I didn't throw it away. But I recently received the New York State absentee ballot application for the upcoming primaries here in New York. Now, here's the thing. I am not voting by, by absentee ballot. Okay? I refuse to. I'll tell you what. Fuzzy math time because my, it is, it's 1.21 in the morning and well, quite frankly, I am not going to try and do this in my head. I'm, I'm just not up to it tonight. So let's see here. Uh, I got to. Okay, so let's see. Here it is, 2020. I started voting in 1981. I've been voting for 39 years. 39 years. In 39 years, I've never found it necessary to vote by absentee ballot. And I'm not going to let, let this coronavirus stop me from going to my polling place. I will wear a mask. I will social distance. But I refuse to use absentee balloting. If if the governor of this state were to put out an executive order tomorrow that said all election votes must be by mail-in vote, I'd tell him suck it up suck the machine up your ass, you dumb shit. I'm I'm going to vote in person. You haven't got the no governor has the legal authority to by executive order dictate how the votes are going to be done. Okay, I'm sorry. Vote voter fraud is very possible. I don't give a fuck what Reuters says. Okay, they're saying that uh, numerous studies have found little evidence. I'll tell you what, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that if you go online, okay, use duckduckgo.com. That's duckduckgo.com. Don't use Google because duckduckgo.com will not track your every move or shove advertisements up your ass. 
like Google does. But if you go to, if you go to DuckDuckGo.com and search out uh, voter f- evidence of voter fraud in America 2020, I bet you you'll find a whole lot of studies that will tell you there have been incidences of voter fraud. Gunslinger, basically, Newsom thinks that he can get away with this. Newsom thinks that because he's a, a governor, because he's he's the governor of a liberal state, that he can by executive order tell people how they can how they're allowed to vote. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, you know that um, most of those uh, Democrats are dictatorats. They want to be dictators. They want to tell you everything that you can and do. They sun up to sundown. Just look at what they're doing about this coronavirus and all this shit. Okay, they are literally acting like well, Hitler would be proud of them. Okay, Mouse and all them other dictator dickheads. Okay, they're power hungry they're power crazy okay you you get them into a position where you have that kind of authority and phew, the sky's the limit i'm telling you it's it's wow i, I just never just like the um, uh you know no, no way always said from from maine up there look how fucked up that state is well you talk about that governor up there the goddamn dictator I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Why well, that dictator hasn't been tarred and feathered yet, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, I mean, that's complete treason against this country. It's what these, what these, these wannabe dictators are doing. And there's no difference. What's different there is none. Go ahead. Well, that's, you know, that's the unfortunate side of it. All right. This one claims current address of Chicago, Illinois, 773. What do you got? Yeah, go suck your mama's tit, you little shit. You basement-dwelling dweebs, you think, what do you think you are going to do? You think you're going to get past me? Are you fucking kidding? Go suck your mama's tits for a while. Smoke the bong all night long. Burn your the remaining brain cells, if you had any to begin with, and just sit down, little boys and girls, and behave yourselves. Be burnt. Be bent. (laughs) Anyway, another one to add to the collection that, that my friend will be receiving by email tomorrow. Federal law enforcement loves these things because they tr- they actually have the ability to trace. I could put up a Google number and they'll be at my front. They could be at my front door in a matter in a matter of hours. If I was doing half the shit these assholes are doing, yeah. You know what, Gun? I firmly believe that these bottom feeding, basement dwelling dweeb cocksuckers are friends of Kathy Griffin's.
And now back to the story at hand. Well, if they're not friends, they are liberals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, I, I think these these Republican organiz- these Republican groups, the the RNC, uh, the RNCC, and uh, who else? And the California Republican Party. You know, yeah, sue Governor Newsom to put a stop to this executive order because. You cannot dictate to your state how they're go- how how they're allowed to vote. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just it's just wrong on every conceivable level because now you're talking about gaining control over the ballots, and if they don't like the candidate you voted for, they'll put somebody in, and your and under they'll say you voted for this person. When you actually voted for the other guy, they'll tip the scales to 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 suit them. No, that's why in 39 years I've never found it necessary to vote absentee ballot. I've never had to use. I've never needed it. Now, Gunslinger, I'm going to ask you something on this. Would you be in favor? And I think this, you know, and, and this. You know, this is an idea that you know that comes to mind. Would you be in favor of having election day extended by one by, by a to, by having it spread out over over a two to three day period, given the 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 social distancing and and so forth? Would you be in favor of something like that as opposed to vote by mail? Well, yeah, yeah, I don't see no problem with it. If you want to extend it two or three days, let you know the social distancing and all that stuff occur. Uh, what's two or three days? I mean, it's like, yeah, can't do it six months, but two or three days, yeah, sure. Why not? I ain't got no problem with it. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I would be in favor of something like that. You know, I think I think that would be the be a, a more logical step to take, as opposed to shoving absentee ballot applications in our faces. Are you trying to? Are you telling us that we can't leave our house to even go vote now? No, wrong, dead wrong. Make election day a three day thing. And extend the 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 night the hours for the polls to close. Now here in New York, the polls close, I believe, at nine o'clock. And if and that being said, extend it by by two hours. Extend it by two hours. I think that would be a more viable and logical step to take. I mean, the chance of of, of voter fraud is just too great. I mean, Gunslinger, in all the years you've been voting, have you ever once voted by absentee ballot? Uh, yeah. 
fact, uh, I voted in 2016 back absentee because of my financial situation, my drive, or my, you know, transportation situation. I can't get down there at the time, you know, so I didn't have no choice. But remember, there's there's difference between absentee and the, what they're proposing. Didn't no way explain that one a, few, a couple weeks ago or something? I remember somebody saying something about it. I think uh, I think no way did explain it. I I don't remember exactly what he said. I wish he was here tonight because he could he could, he could uh, refresh our memories on it. To be certain. Hmm. But the 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 kind of uh, vote by mail that there that, that many of the states want to use is the absentee ballot. Because, like I said earlier, I received in the mail an absentee ballot application, and I didn't ask for it. It was sent to me. And I'm like, why are you sending me an absentee ballot application? I'm not, I'm not in a position where I can't vote. My legs aren't broken. I can walk to the polling place. Hell, I can even take a cab to the, to the polling place if I have to. So why send me an absentee ballot application? Very, very strange. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to send me an absentee ballot application, I want I want you to tell me, at what point did I request it? Did I send you a, did I send you a formal letter requesting it? Did I call the Board of Elections to request it? No. So unless you're telling me I can't vote in person at all, which would be very suspect, I'm voting in person. I'll practice the social distancing like everybody else. I'll wear a mask. Well, my uh, camouflage bandana. And if that's not sufficient for you, no fucking well. It really is, you know, a very topsy-turvy world. Now, one of the things that, that is, is coming out here is the voters are, are voters defining America's politics. Now, Reuters put something out last year about this, and... It's, it, it came up recently again as a repost. So this was June of last year. And I think this kind of is kind of relevant to the situation at hand. A retiree worried about his granddaughter's future in 
Pinellas County, Florida, Pinellas County, Florida, rather, a factory worker in Racine County, Wisconsin, who doubts politicians will improve her life as a single mother, a Boy Scout leader willing to cross party lines to revive his blue-collar town in Northampton County, Pennsylvania, a gay Latino college student in Maricopa County, Arizona, preparing to cast his first presidential ballot, these voters live in some of the most competitive counties in America's presidential battleground states, places set to play an outsized role in the 2020 presidential election. All four counties were decided by four percentage points or less in 2016 and ultimately won by Donald Trump. Trump's path to a second term will test an electoral map he realigned. He must hold the strong support of the white working-class voters who helped him capture Florida and Pennsylvania. He will aim to build on his, on his narrow victory in Wisconsin, which saw a decline in turnout among predominantly Democrat, Democratic black voters. And he is fighting to keep the, the one-time Republican stronghold of Arizona in his column as population shifts have put the state in play for Democrats. Now, the series, now there, there, there's a list here of the counties at that time, uh, at, a year ago. Now, Reuters selected the counties in, in this series for exam, after examining, among other factors, voting patterns, demographics, population trends, and economic, stat, economic statistics for more than 700 U.S. counties across a total of seven states that political strategists expect to be closely fought. Pinellas County, Florida. This sprawling county on Florida's central west coast voted for Trump by about one percentage point, a razor-thin margin in a state where elections are always tight. Though Democrats won the county comfortably in the 2008 and 2012 White House races, it now includes almost the same number of registered Democrats and Republicans. Racine County, Wisconsin. This county in the southeastern part of the state, picked the winner of the last five U.S. presidential elections, going for Trump by four percentage points in 2016. A controversial multi-billion dollar Foxconn manufacturing plant, now under construction, well, at the time it was under construction there, was lauded by Trump as a chance to rebuild American manufacturing. Northampton County, Pennsylvania, this predominantly white county is becoming more racially diverse even as it flipped to the Republicans in 2016. Trump captured Northampton County by four percentage points after Democrats won it in the, in the four prior presidential elections. And finally, Maricopa County, Arizona. Hispanic voters are a growing electoral force in the largest, most politically influential county of a state on the U.S.-Mexico border. In 2016, Trump's three-percentage-point edge in Maricopa 
was the closest for a Republican president in years. In 2018, U.S. Senator Kirsten Sinema, a Democrat, secured her win by flipping the county. So the question that, that comes from all of this is, does, do we, is there a fundamental shift taking place in, the, in America today that is showing, that, that is becoming more red state po- possibility than blue state? Does Trump have a leading edge that will carry him to a victory in, in November. I personally, I believe that he has the votes necessary to win 2016, and he may have even more. He wins 26, he won, he won 2016, and if he wins re-election, I wonder what kind of chicanery the Democrats will try to come up with for, th- for this election. Because I suspect there's going to be a lot more than meets the eye coming in 2016, in 2020 than 2016. The Democrats are going to try and pull all the stops, accusing him of everything from voter fraud to conspiring with God knows who to win the election that seems to be their motif these days. What do you think, Gunn? Well, yeah, he's definitely got the votes and everything. It's going to be a shoe-in. I mean, who else have they got? Sleepy Joe? I'm going to beat Joe Biden, says I'm going to beat Joe Biden. <laughs> really? You're going to beat yourself, huh? Yeah, that's really – well, you got some smarts there, no doubt about that. Who else have they got? I, it's, you know, it's just – it's a no-brainer, really. I mean, they – they have nothing to offer. I mean, they, they they think they do with Joe Biden. You got to be kidding me! But nothing. Their brain is empty. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listening to Joe Biden in that clip the other night of him saying, "And I will beat Joe Biden." <laughs> I sat here. After I got off the air, I just sat back and laughed because I knew that here's a guy that, you know, he's done more gas than Carter's got liver pills in a bottle. And that one was a, was the topper so far. But then, of course, with his racist remark, you know, I mean... Let me see here. I have. I actually have that uh, that comment here. Let me see. There we are. Well, I tell you what. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Quote Joe Biden. That's a that's quoting Joe Biden, and what he said recently. To the voters in the black community, to the voters in in the uh, Hispanic and Asian communities, to voters in general, if you're thinking of wasting your vote on on this racist son of a bitch, then go for it. By all means, waste your vote. 
But I'm telling you right now, if this cl- if this ass clown thinks he's going to beat Trump, making idiotic remarks like this, yeah, I don't think so. There, there's a there, there's a fine line that should never be crossed, and Joe Biden seems to cross that fine line every single time. So, I mean, gunslinger, I, I, I look, I, I remember, I, you want, how many times in the last three and a half to nearly four years have the Democrats accused Trump of being mentally, mentally unfit? To be president, how many times have they stated that he's racist? And yet Biden makes a comment like this. And nobody says boo about it. If I'm voting for a president, I want somebody that's not gonna treat every minority like a second class fucking citizen. Okay? Trump doesn't do that. He doesn't treat people differently. He treats everyone equally. He's not a racist, but Biden? Biden, however? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, man, they, they accuse him of everything, you know. He's racist this, racist that. You're racist to the, to the tadpole. You're racist to this. And But look at what Biden has said. Look what Biden's done. I mean, after all those comments and everything, what do you expect? Wow. I mean, <laughs> but again, they, they're attacking him for everything. I mean, they'll, they would attack him if the grass is green. Ooh, wait a minute. It is green. Attacking with the sky is blue. Ooh, wait a minute. It's blue. The sky is blue. So, you see, it don't matter what it is. They're just going to keep attacking. <laughs> Go ahead. Look, I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When when it comes right down to it, the Democrats in Congress, the Democrats in the Senate, habitually have attacked him, accusing him of, of being racist, accused him of, of, of being mentally unfit for the office. But yet, you got people like Nancy Pelosi, Nancy fucking Pelosi, who sits there... And she 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 stumbles she stumbles through through the the press briefings, uh, sounding like she's had a sixty martini meal for lunch. This from a woman who, back in what was it two thousand nine I think it was, late two thousand nine or so, who said uh, we have to pass the bill in order to uh, find out what is in it. Remember that, folks. A politician who tells you we have to pass a bill in order to find out what's in it tells me they never read the bill to begin with. They don't know what's in the fucking bill at that point. And they figure if we can get it passed in the Congress, if we can get it passed in the Senate, and we can get it to the president's desk, that'll work. Why? Because we don't know what's in the bill. But we'll put, we'll make it, we'll have the president sign it. Yeah, right. Okay. So let's let's 
sign that bill. Now, we're talking about a presidential election where everything that a politician says, everything that a politician does should be dissected. It should be looked over with a fine-tooth comb, and it should be placed under that very powerful microscope. You know? I mean, Gunslinger, I, 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 I can't believe that there are people in this country that would be so naive as to blindly accept what Democrats are selling. But there are some people like that in this country, unfortunately. They prey on the fears of, of the elderly and the disabled. They prey on the, the fears of the American people in general in order to try and curry favor for their votes. At least that's, the, that's how it looks to me. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, yes, but same thing. I mean, you know. It's uh, it's always these people will never learn that you know there's you think you can do a better job just like with this coronavirus bullshit. What else could President Trump possibly do? Okay, I mean, do they think he has a magic wand and say go poof and it just disappears? No, <laughs> sorry, it don't work like that. I mean, he did everything that he could possibly do. Sure, people died. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately. But what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. It's just, of course, they're going to blame you for everything. Nothing that the man does can be right in their eyes. Go ahead. (laughs) No, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, look, I'll say this. And it's no, it's it's not meant as a slight on President Trump in any way. So please, you know, folks, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. You know, no president is perfect. No president is perfect. Yes, President Trump has made a a, a few mistakes during the course of his presidency, to be sure. But nothing so egregiously. Demonizing As the Democrats would have you believe Okay President Trump has done By and large A better job Than the last three presidents Not counting Obama by the way Combined He's even done slightly better than that of Ronald Reagan. So do I believe that President Trump deserves a second term? Absolutely. Am I drinking the Trump Kool-Aid? Well, as long as it's not made with regular sugar, I'm a diabetic I will have half a glass Not a full glass 
because I still I still maintain the same I try to maintain the same objectivity. When he decided not to go after Hillary Clinton, I cringed over that. I mean, I just I was just like, really? Why? You campaigned on this, Donald. Why? But given the uh, given the attorney the the the, DO, the attorney general uh, that he had the attorney generals that he had at the time, yeah, it probably wouldn't have worked out. And given the FBI and its screw ups, nah. I don't think it would have made a difference. But let's face the facts. If that was the only big mistake he made, I look at what he's accomplished. In 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 in, in no uncertain terms, in about four in just about four years' time, he has done vastly more to benefit this country than any mistakes he may have made. If he, if he makes a mistake, if he screws up, I'm not going to cut him any slack. Forward. I'll say right here on this broadcast, Mr. President, you fucked up. If he fucks up, I'm going to let him know about it. But for the most part, right now, as far as I'm concerned, he's done a very substantially better job than George W. Bush, Clinton, George H. W. Bush, and even Ronald Reagan. All right? Now, I don't I'm not going I'm not going to I'm not saying this to influence what he says, but let me put it this way. I, I I'm kind of guessing here that Gunslinger may or may not agree with me. So, on what I on 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 what I just said, where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Where do you disagree? Let me know your what you're thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, he, even including you know Ray and everything. Uh, you can even go back as far as um, you know uh, Kennedy and everything. Um, I don't see how he else he could do anything uh, besides that. I mean, the military loves him, the police loves him, the FBI loves him, except for the high ups. Uh, so, again, what choice would you have in what position that he'd be in if, say, Comrade Clinton run one? Yeah, well, we would be fucked. Go ahead. Well, the way I see it is this, Gunslinger, and we're just about five minutes away from uh, calling it a night. So I'll put it to you like this in a, in a final thought. President Trump has an uphill battle on his hands, given the way the Democrats are trying to do everything they can to either get rid of him or see him voted out of office. Are they going to be successful? Highly unlikely. Because the way I see it is this. Trump is going to take Joe Biden to task. He's going to bury him in an avalanche of votes 
and Joe Biden's going to be, again, on the outside looking in going, how did he do it? And, of course, the Democrats are liable to collusion this, collusion that, collusion, collusion, collusion. So do I think President Trump can win? Yes, I do. I firmly believe that he will win 2020. Barring any voter fraud on the part of the Democrats, even then I don't think they stand a snowball's chance. The American people will choose Donald Trump for president for a second term. It's just that simple to me. So, on that note, as I gear up to shut down for the night, and it's very rare that I I shut down this early, but, hey, it is what it is. Gunslinger, thanks a lot for being here, brother. I really do appreciate you hanging out with me tonight and uh, sharing your insights. And, of course, Firefox News Online will be back for the Wednesday night edition at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 Central, and 8 Pacific time on the multiple broadcasting platforms used by the Firefox News Online Internet Broadcasting Network. I'm George Sinzer, and for the comments I've made, that's the way it is from my perspective. Y'all be good, and if you can't be good, be careful. And if you can't be careful, please, for the love of God, do not name it after me. And remember this. We all have a stake in the 2020 election. Vote in person. Let your vote count. Until next time, America, good night. Thank you for tuning in to Firefox News Online. Firefox News Online is a production of Firefox News Online Productions. Any rebroadcast, transcript, either in whole or in part without the express written permission of Firefox News Online Productions and its owner is expressly forbidden. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. You can catch the links to Firefox News Online's broadcast by going to facebook.com slash F-F-N-O-I-B-N. That's facebook.com slash F-F-N-O-I-B-N. For the Firefox News Online Internet Broadcasting Networks. Hey, we'd like to hear from you, so send your comments to comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. That's comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. Also, any stories or topic ideas you might have, We'd like to hear from you. Send to WeReport at FirefoxNewsOnline.com. That's WeReport at FirefoxNewsOnline.com. Again, thank you for tuning in to Firefox News Online. I'm George Sinzer. Thank you so much for being here. We'll catch you next time. Don't let it be written. So let it be done.